It's a good morning, isn't it? It's a wonderful morning. As somebody said to me this morning, hey, this place hasn't come up too bad for being 100 years old. <laughs> Welcome to our 100 year anniversary for the Church of Toowoomba North, formerly known as Hallexton Church of Christ. So welcome you this morning. I really do sense a, uh, a sense of joy, a sense of excitement, anticipation, maybe even delight. Who's feeling delighted? A few. There we are. There's a real buzz in the air. You have an opportunity to, to catch up with one another, catch up with people that um, perhaps you haven't seen for a long time to mingle and uh, make acquaintances that, um, or renew acquaintances that have been missing for a long time. So thanks for coming, sharing with us today. In Psalm uh, 28, we come with these words from David. And he says, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. There's no greater reason for joy than receiving mercy from our God. Lord, don't give me what I deserve. David goes on, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Your heart, does it trust in the Lord? Have you experienced his help? David says, My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. We're going to sing and praise, bring our praise to our God. But I want to encourage you to make these words of David yours. Make them personal. So he, he says, or you could say, I praise you, Lord, for you have heard my cry for mercy. You are my strength. You are my shield. I trust in you. You help me. My heart leaps for joy. And I will sing of my praise to you. And we're about to do that. In this hymn, creation calls us to praise our God, who is our all-deserving of all glory. Because when he's the centre of our praise, when God is the centre of our praise, then we're filled with joy. So I invite the, uh, the band, the musos, the singers to come up. <coughs> Trust that God is the centre of your praise today and every day. So let's, uh, let's stand and sing together.
he's the centre of our praise, then we're certainly filled with joy. That was wonderful. Wonderful to hear the singing coming back. Let's join together in prayer. Our loving, loving Heavenly Father, our good and gracious God, in a sense we enter into your courts this morning with praise. We bless your name, for you are good, your mercies indeed endure forever. We thank you for joy unending, the joy that comes as we linger in your presence and then remain in your presence all day. Father, we ask that you would draw our hearts even closer to yours this morning, that you would be the first one that we run to when our cup overflows, that you would be the first one that we run to when we face the troubles of life. Father, we do proclaim this morning that you are our strength, you are our shield, our place of refuge and comfort. We do acknowledge your goodness as we seek to make you the centre of our praise, not only in this next hour or so, but each and every moment. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, that we pray. Amen. So once again, well... <clears throat> The voice is going. Once again, welcome to our 100-year anniversary. And I did want to mention that uh, 10 of the previous 12 pastors had accepted the invitation to be with us today. I think all 10 are here this morning. So, Bruce Roberts, Ron Sanson, Jeff Charles, and Jeff is going to share a message a little later on. Shane Foley, Rick Joseph, I think Rick was a student pastor here many, many years ago. Daryl Thorpe, Ian Hunt, Nick Buse, Faye Christensen, Rob Quick. All of these, uh, I believe, they're all here this morning. Are you here? <laughs> So thank you for making the effort to, to return today and to share this day with us. Also want to welcome a number of our current leaders of Churches of Christ in Queensland. Um, Gary Edwards, CEO. I haven't noticed whether Tim McManaman's here. I did uh, hope to be, get here. Um, and he's the Director of Church and Engagement. Mike Armstrong, manager of Churches of Christ Foundation, formerly CDF, and uh, Carol Joseph is uh, on conference council. So they're all here with us today. Well, maybe Tim will get in. I should. No, I won't make a comment about that. <laughs> we have, over the years, had a number of folk from here serve at conference level, so we just wanted to thank you for coming and sharing with us today. And of course we have our own Vicky Marnie with us. Vicky's here somewhere. Um, and uh, she's regional engagement partner. I also wanted to recognise Joyce Shaw. Joyce is here with us today. And Joyce... Our eldest and longest serving member of Churches of Christ in, uh, here at Toowoomba, Toowoomba North. Um, 
and Joyce is 99. We've had a number of greetings, um, and I just wanted to, to share this, this one. Um, congratulations to Woman North Church of Christ on your 100th anniversary. We are so thankful to God for your faithful witness over 100 years. Many lives have been impacted positively because of your humble service and the way that God has worked in and through this church. We are grateful for the way that you have so generously supported us at Humeridge. And so that's uh, from, from the Humeridge Church of Christ. We pray that God will bless you as you continue to serve him. It's wonderful to, to have uh, sister churches represented with us today. What I'd like to do now is just to take us through a little bit of a um, photographic history. Hopefully this won't take too long. Um, but a photographic history of a hundred years of God's blessing. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And the Apostle Paul said, for we are co-workers in God's service. So Jesus said, I will build my church and the Apostle Paul said, as we are co-workers with God. It was on the 18th of February 1922 when this photo was taken, late in the day, sun in the west, the construction of this chapel was completed in one day. Completed in one day and it cost a whole 25 pounds. <laughs> Equivalent to $50. A week later, the building was officially opened on February the 25th. In 1949, the building was then moved to the back of the block and a new chapel was finished in 1953. It was opened on October the 3rd. Now, there's a photo out in the foyer on the wall to the left. Um, and along with that photo, there's, there's the sterling silver plaque that was used to commemorate commemorate that occasion. Next to that photo, you're going to see, if you go out there and have a look, a centenary clock. And we unveil this today to commemorate a hundred years of blessing from our Father. Some of the timber in this clock came from our previous building on Ruthven Street. So we call it the centenary clock. I don't know whether it'll keep time like the real centenary clock, but it's uh, to appreciate and to uh, go on up on the wall out there next to the photos presently on the wall. Over the years, the chapel has gone through subsequent renovations. I think there was something like eight extensions. Many of you will remember the chapel like this. And it was 90 years after the very first building that we moved into these facilities, 90 years. In the Gospel of Mark, we read these words. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what a magnificent building, what magnificent buildings. Jesus replied, Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. 
Everyone will be thrown down. And in Jerusalem today, they're not exactly sure where the temple stood because not one stone left in place. It was 59 years to the day after the opening in 1953 that this photo was taken. 53 years to the day. And not one brick was left on another. But as Paul wrote, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. And so the church is a living organism. It's made up of people. People who follow Christ. And the church at Toowoomba North has had a history of being other-centred, of being a mission-minded church. Numerous short-term mission trips have been conducted both in Australia and overseas. At present, we have an ongoing partnership with the Ombai, East Ombai churches in Vanuatu. Over the years, too, a multitude of working bees were held that were a blessing to over 50 locations across our state predominantly in the Churches of Christ facilities. Much that has been achieved here at Toowoomba North has been through working bees. And so we have been blessed to be a blessing. And Jesus also said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Subsequently, we didn't want today, we didn't want to celebrate today and just pat ourselves on the back. We wanted to make today about the faithfulness of our God, primarily, and then to take the opportunity to continue to bless others as we have sought to do in the past. And over the last few weeks, we have sought to raise funds to provide Medical Santo with a portable blood analyzer that will be most helpful to their work in Vanuatu. The target is 15,000 with the help of sharing and a number of other means at present we're sitting at 10,000, we're two-thirds of the way. And you might like to help us to meet that target. We have a number of centenary books still available, and uh, they'll be out in the foyer, um, available there, there for sale for $15. There's a number of wood-turned mementos in the foyer. Um, and they were made from maple doors that were near the baptistry in the old chapel back on Ruffman Street. And of course, the proceeds all go back to Mission for Medical Santo. And so today we've come to celebrate Toowoomba North. A hundred years. Toowoomba North being present into our community. To celebrate Toowoomba North? No, we haven't. We haven't come to celebrate to the North. We've come to celebrate our good and gracious God. We meet in the name of Jesus 
because life, ministry, this church is all about Jesus. We've come to celebrate God's faithfulness to this community through this community. But a hundred years of God's faithfulness to those who have served and worshipped under the banner of Toowoomba North. You see, there isn't any other name under heaven by which we can be saved. No other name really matters. The name Toowoomba North Church of Christ doesn't really matter because it's all about him. So I want to encourage us today to celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness to us. Our God is good. You've experienced God's goodness in your life. He's always been good to us. Jesus said that God alone is good. And he is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is good. He never changes. He is love. He doesn't sleep nor slumber. He's constantly watching over us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Our God is a faithful, loving God. And it all began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He met with his disciples that evening behind locked doors and he said, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Now receive the Holy Spirit. They were then told to wait, to wait in Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost and the church then began to spread. Down through the centuries the church has gone wherever followers of Christ have planted their feet and there were some followers of Christ who planted their feet here. Back in 1908, in an old tin shed on the corner of Ruthven and North Street, that's where a Sunday school first commenced. And then later, in uh, 1922, the first chapel was built, and so officially the church began. So I want to encourage us to stand and we're going to stand and sing another song to the goodness of God. I came across these words that fit with the tune of Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. And these words express both our thanksgiving for the past but also our faith, our trust in God into the future. So they're words that look back, they're words that look forward and trust that God will continue to build his church. So let's stand, let's sing, let's celebrate our God.
led us through the years. I want to invite a couple of people to uh, come forward now and just share with us um, what the church has meant to them, and uh, and then Faye will come and uh, follow them, leading us in prayer. So I wanted to first invite Rod Camboris, and then Carol Camplin. Thanks, Rod. Good morning. Oh, a bit dizzy up here. It's been a long time since I've been up here. <laughs> Joan and I and our two little girls um, left Melbourne for uh, two years. And uh, we're going to go back in two years and settle our kids back to school. We set off in an old Volkswagen combi van, the tent, and away we went. About six or nine months into our trip, the next big dot on the map was Toowoomba. Toowoomba? No, haven't heard of Toowoomba before. Thought we'd give it a try. Drive into Toowoomba, and the first day we drove in, we just uh, we just loved it. It was just great. So we decided to stay a little bit longer. In the in the in the course of time, we begged and borrowed the thousand dollars we needed to put a deposit on a house, and we bought a little house in Rangeville, where I, I got a job, and uh, we got uh, friendly with a couple who had a couple of little girls our age. They said you should take your kids to Sunday school. You get an hour's break every Sunday. <laughs> That would, be, that would be great. So when our, when our girls got old enough, we brought them to Sunday school. From the very day that we brought them to school, our kids were loved, they were nurtured, they were cared for. It's just wonderful. Rod, Ron Sampson was the, 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 uh, the minister at that stage and he probably, coming from Adelaide, from, from South Australia, probably appreciated the fact that someone from Victoria could come up and talk to him about real football rather than the dodgy stuff he played up here. <laughs> Um, as our kids came home from Sunday school, they always had questions about what they learnt. And Jones said, the only way we're going to answer these questions is to know what they're asking. So she went and bought a Bible and read the Bible, answered the questions. The more questions they asked, the more she read. The more she read, the more she loved reading. And eventually we decided we'd come to, um, come to church. And um, after some time, that was... Daryl and Pam Thorpe were the ministers at that stage and eventually Mother's Day 1989 Joan gave her heart to the Lord one service and being an accountant I gave my life to the Lord one evening service the last Sunday of the financial year <laughs> 1989 uh, we've been involved in sort of various aspects of ministry over the time from, from that time uh, Joan and I were involved in youth group um, had a couple of sessions of deacon and elder. Joan was a worship leader. Nathan? Excellent. Excellent worship leader. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, through the church here, um, I spent about 14 or 15 years in and out of prison. Uh, you're probably thinking, yeah, accountant, church funds, yeah. No, I was a, I was a prison chaplain. And uh, so I'd go out to the prison for 14 or 15 years and Tuesday days and Sundays. One of my clients at that stage was a baker. And uh, what he baked on one day, if he didn't sell it that day, he couldn't sell it the next. So we had a few people coming in and picking up stuff. I would go in and pick up croissants and scones and whatever. And um, um, one day, and the prison out there was, uh, there were a lot of uh, long-term prisoners. There were some, some pe- people who were serving the last sentence of life sentences, murder and whatever. I went out there one day and, and Eddie... Uh, he was serving the last bit of his life sentence for a murder, attempted murder. Nice bloke. 
Um, he said to me, uh, you know, these, uh, and we had guys coming into, the, into the, the, the church, into the chapel, and uh, not, not Christians at all, just rough old prisoners. And he said to me, you know, the only reason these guys are coming to church is to eat your croissants. And I said, mate, I don't care why they come to church because I know when they come in, they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care where they come. And I would have thought, sort of many, many years ago, if, if uh, someone said to Ron Sansom, you know, the only reason this buffet comes to church is to talk to you about footy, his response would have been, I don't care why he comes. Because he want, when he's here, he's going to hear the gospel of Christ and he's going to feel the love of Jesus through the congregation. That's exactly, exactly what, what, uh, what happened. I, I made a promise to my... Um, first boss up here that we'd stay for six months. If I stayed for six months, I'd get the job. So I promised him six months. The day, bef- you know, that were days before work contracts and, and all that sort of stuff, on a handshake and a promise, he gave me the job. That, that six-month promise was um, 43, 44 years ago that we, we made it. Um, when, uh, uh, when we were baptised, we were given a Bible, and Daryl, I think, uh, read in the Bible, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. I lift my eyes to the range. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And um, that's, that's been exactly right. You know, we thought we sort of came here and landed in Toowoomba by accident. No, it's no accident. God led us here so that he could introduce us to his son. And, um, and, and this church has been such a wonderful blessing it's been uh, uh, loving, supportive uh, with, with our family, with our kids and whatever. And it's just been such a, a wonderful experience to be here. Praise God. long walk from back there to here. Uh, So I'm Carol. Um, I first came to the Harlixton Church of Christ when I was a young teenager. Uh, I grew up uh, with a family who had a uh, an interesting relationship with the church rather than God. So we went to a uniting church in Milmerin and um, you know, there wasn't a sense of family there. There was a sense of boredom um, and um, there wasn't the joy. Um, there wasn't that joy that God brings to you. So I, um, my family, a split family, complicated relationship with God um, from my mother, but I became friends with some really um, great people in my high school years. So it was an Andrew Sutton and a Tim Brower, and their mums became my god mums. Um, so we ended up coming. I ended up coming to Harlixton Church of Christ, where uh, I don't believe you know, maybe that big. All of these beautiful people would have fit into. <laughs> um, so the thing that was um, special for me was I was walking in there as a, a young girl by myself. Um, I didn't have family around me. didn't have the family that I needed at home. And I walked in and um, people came up and spoke to me and they were interested in my life. Um, there was no judgment for the choices I had made and that family was what I 
really needed. Um, so I, I, I came to church and then um, continued to enjoy the music. I was not given the gift of song. Um, so I did not join in in that. <laughs> um, but it did fill that place with God's spirit and God's presence. And I eventually um, joined in an alpha course with Faye and then I did choose to give my heart and my life to God and Faye baptised me along with Jenny Sutton. She was up there with me. I actually didn't speak that day. I was um, quite nervous and probably not the confident woman Oh, I am now. <laughs> um, and um, I should say that uh, Steve has given me um, 20 to 60 minutes to talk. So get... No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but there is a new centenary clock, so I better keep an eye on the time. Um, so uh, anyway, I got baptised um, and that was my church family. I then chose... Um, in my mid-twenties to move to Brisbane and that's where I met my husband Nathan and we got married in a, our nice home church down there. We had our girls and then another 60 minutes later um, God answered my prayers and we moved back to Toowoomba. That's another day. Um, and um, we did go to a church, another church when we first came here. Um, so we, we were there for six to 12 months. It was close to home. Uh, what we found there that no one came up to us and we had people after we'd been there for around the 12 months saying oh are you new and um, the kids probably weren't getting anything out of the the Sunday school program we there were times where there was good good um, good services good things to learn about God but I think a church is more than just someone coming up and talking for two hours. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's about the community. It's about people coming up and it's showing that you are important and that you care. So for a few different reasons, there was we, we felt that it was time to move on from the church. And then the first day we came in here through those doors, um, we had people come up to us. We had people... Um, ask us who we were, ask more than how are you. Um, they wanted to know who we were as people. Um, and then um, it was actually um, the girls that were a little bit, oh, I'm not sure if we want to go back because it was different to what they were used to. And it wasn't, it was a school holidays, so it was just different for them. Came back the next week, went to Sunday school. Lucy, particularly, came out excited she was excited about God. She was learning things about God and she knew that she wanted to come back. So for us coming back here, it's, um, it's the love that this church family shows. It's the interest in our lives. And I think for me, not growing up in a church and then having our girls grow up in a church family uh, that that particularly means the world to us. Um, the great thing also was that um, within that period of time, Lucy then chose to give her life to God and then we got Nigel to baptise. Well, she chose to get Nigel to baptise her. So um, same church but different locations, but it just 
it just it's so exciting that my children can see God from an early age. And I think also for me, uh, I like that there are going to be people like myself who don't know God that walk through these doors and they will be welcomed. Um, really, um, I really hope that um, we will continue to draw near to God so that when people walk through those doors, they will draw near to God and feel the love and the joy and peace that this bring this family brings to everybody. So, thanks. <laughs> Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. Lord, how can we find enough words to praise you? You're our creator, our saviour. You're the strength of our lives. And you are the head of us, your church. And Lord, today is a special day for us as we remember your faithfulness to this church for 100 years. And we come to say thank you for what you've done. We come to give thanks for the people who through the years have served you faithfully and have done so much to let your glory be seen in this little part of Toowoomba and through some other parts of the world. We come to ask you to strengthen us, to purify us, to fill us with your love for each other and for those who don't yet know you, so that we may glorify you in the small part of the world in which you've placed us. Forgive us for our failure to always love well, for our tendencies to place ourselves at the centre of our own lives instead of you, for our failure to reflect your glory by our selfishness and our pride. And today we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are hungry, for those who are afraid because of war or persecution, for those who are sick but can't find help, for those who can't gather together like this to worship you openly. We ask you to give them and to give us the courage to live for you in a world where you're not valued, where you're even hated and mocked. And Lord, may we sing your praises even in our times of trial and trouble. You're our rock. You're our shelter. You're our healer and our comforter. May we always remember it. And we pray particularly that those who are struggling with illness, sadness, fear, those who are having difficulty making ends meet, Lord, may each one put their trust in you because you are our only hope. Father, to us, a hundred years seems like a long time. But to you, it's just a drop in the ocean of eternity. You're the God who can do much more than we can imagine. And you've done it through the history of this church. And we're excited as we wait to see you at work in our church and in our community, Lord, in the next hundred years or more. Lord, we don't want to be comfortable we want to see your glory transforming us, transforming our church, and transforming our community. We want to be lights in this world. And so we praise you 
for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And we pray in the name of our beautiful Saviour, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Faye. We're uh, going to share in communion in a moment, following a song. But um, if you haven't got uh, something like this and you would like something like this, so there's some grape juice and there's a little wafer. Um, they're out at the, uh, at the uh, doors as you come in. So while we stand and sing this song, you might like to go and grab that. Um, feel free to do that. Um, but we're going to sing a song that expresses uh, how amazing God's grace is that Jesus would die for us to save people like you and I. So let's stand, sing, and uh, worship God.
thanking God and praising God for all that he's done in the life of this church over a hundred years, remembering his goodness and his faithfulness and his provision. And we come to the time now in our service when we can remember Christ and what he accomplished on and through the cross of Calvary, and we have the opportunity to give him thanks. As we read through the Old Testament, we learn of man's repeated attempts to keep God's law. We also read of man's continual falling short of God's will and the plans that he had for the nation of Israel. The old covenant as given to Moses not only required God's people to adhere to the law, but also to seek atonement for their sin through the repeated ritual of blood sacrifice. God's plan of the new covenant, however, would require only the one sacrifice for the atonement of all sin. His son Jesus Christ would be the mediator of this new covenant and in doing so he would fulfil the law. God had always intended to use Jesus to restore his relationship to him. Because of his great love for his people, God sent of his son. In Romans 5 we read, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. No longer must we adhere to the law. No longer must we seek atonement for our sin. Indeed, we are truly blessed to live in the age of grace, are we not? So what then does God require of us? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, as Jesus begins his ministry, we find him preaching in the land of Galilee. And in verse 15, we read the words of Jesus, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Repent and believe. The Greek word for repent as used in the New Testament can best be understood by us as to turn away from or to change one's mind. Jesus' teaching, as always, was relevant to both Jew and Gentile. The Jews believed that they were already righteous because of their connection to Abraham and Moses and their adherence to law. But Jesus was instructing them to change their minds from law to the gospel of grace. 
and to the Gentile to turn away from the false gods they were worshipping. To believe in the gospel, or maybe in our term, our words, to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is synonymous with turning around from one's sinful nature. To believe in the gospel requires that one, requires that one repents. Repentance is not possible unless one believes. The salvation Jesus was offering would finally set the Jews free from hundreds of years, approximately 800 years, eight times the life of this church, 800 years of adherence to the law. Zacchaeus was a Jew who, for reasons unknown to us, had decided to align himself with the Romans and collect their taxes. Whatever his reasons were, in the eyes of his people, he was a traitor. So hated were the tax collectors amongst the Jews that they were often referred to as sinners, and the Pharisees of the day ridiculed Jesus when he associated with such people. But unlike the Pharisees, Zacchaeus was a man who recognised he was a sinner, and he was not content to continue on in his life of sin. He had heard about this man, Jesus, and he had come to find him. And Luke's Gospel tells us that when he could not see Jesus over the crowd of people that were following him, he ran ahead, he climbed a tree so that he might get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. And when Jesus came to the base of the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must eat with you at your house, we read that Zacchaeus hurried down and received him gladly. Not only was Zacchaeus aware of his sin and aware that he needed to repent and believe, he was also overjoyed to be in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. Quite a few people this morning have spoken about joy. Do you remember the joy you felt when you first believed? Imagine the joy when we come before the throne. The Pharisees, however, could not admit their sin. Until we admit that we are sinful, we cannot repent. We cannot turn around. As Christians, repentance of our sinful nature took place the day we first believed. But we have the opportunity this morning as we remember Christ's sacrifice once for all to come before the Lord with a repentant heart, to confess with God that we continue to fall short and that we are in need of his saving grace, a grace that is only made possible because of the broken body and the spilt blood of Jesus Christ our Saviour. 1 John 1 verse 7 tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All God requires of us is that we repent and believe. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would send your son to us, providing us a way of redemption. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience to your father, your willingness to leave behind the splendours of heaven, to dwell amongst us and to offer yourself as the final sacrifice. You paid the price for our sin, enduring the punishment that should have been ours, so that God the Father can look upon us and call us worthy. We ask your blessing upon this table now as we share in the bread and the cup, the symbol of your body broken and your blood shed for each one of us. Amen. If you would like to prepare your elements...
We will use Matthew's account to lead us into taking the bread and the cup this morning. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, as we have remembered just now the death of our Saviour, Let us also remember the time, individually, when Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, brought light to our darkness and opened our eyes to our sinfulness, providing us the opportunity to repent and believe. Father, help us to remember the joy that accompanied that decision. And please help us to use that joy to share our faith with those around us so that others might repent and believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. There's a couple of older, um, longer standing members up here with you this morning, Andrew and Phil. And Trin and I are relatively new kids on the block here at Torma North, but we are so filled with the joy of the Lord this morning, aren't we, that we together uh, can celebrate his goodness and his love to to us all. In Psalm 146, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live, and I will praise him with all of my being. And so we want to share a song with you now that declares the joy of the Lord and that it's, it's hard to contain yourself when you can really understand how much Jesus loves us and what he has done for us. Okay, so let's... um. Uh, And we want to invite you at the end of the song, there's a section at the end that we would like to invite you to stand and sing along with us, please. How can I keep from singing? 
No storm can shake my inmost heart While to that rock I'm clinging Since Christ is Lord of heaven How can I keep from singing? What golden joys and comforts God the Lord, my Savior, liveth. Though the darkness gather round, songs in the night He giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to the rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of Yes, I'll 
Survive preaching at Harlixton, you can su- survive anywhere. And, uh, and uh, I should say that one of the elders took my hand uh, the first sermon I preached, and he said, If you ever preach heresy, I'll be on you like a ton of bricks. So, <laughs> so if I wasn't nervous about preaching, that was my introduction. And uh, it's so wonderful to be able to speak on behalf of so many past ministers that are present in our audience today. Steve asked me to speak very briefly on the faithfulness of God. The word faithful occurs over 250 times in the Old Testament. Unfortunately, all of our translations use different words. But there is one word 
that if you read it in Hebrew, it's the same word as hesed. The hesed exper experiment, where God invited a man in the Old Testament to live God's heart, God's faithful heart. I want you to understand how I feel about everyone in the room today. And to do that, I want to take you on an experiment. I want your pain to be your preaching. I want you to understand and record the journey of the heart of God for people. Prophets were asked to do a lot of strange things. Isaiah was to walk around like a prisoner of war for three years. Jeremiah to put a yoke on his, head, uh, his shoulders for three months. Ezekiel to lie on his side for 390 days and eat bread cooked with cow's dung. But there is a peculiar prophet in the Old Testament that was asked to do the unimaginable. He was invited to do the hesed, the faithful experiment. To be able to answer this question, is love enough? Is faithfulness sufficient for a hundred years for this church and the next hundred years? It's an unusual story. Minor prophets have major messages. They're small in size, but big in truth. And there was a man called Hosea. And God said, you're a bachelor and I want you to marry. In fact, I've picked a girl for you. Her name is complete. She is the complete package. Will you be in this experiment, Hosea? Absolutely. And by the way, you're going to have kids. You're going to have three kids. And unfortunately, she's not going to feel about you the way you feel about her. In fact, your family life is going to be an absolute disaster. I want to tell you the names of your kids. They're going to break your heart. But I want you to understand the true nature of loving kindness, unfailing love, loyal love, the very nature of God. And so I'd like just very quickly to introduce you to one of my favourite strange people from the Old Testament and to be able to give you a definition of love. If you can remember this page, that's all you need to know from this morning. Love can't let you go. Love can't let you off. And love can't let you down. Hosea, I want you to live this. If you get a chance, come with Hosea into the heart of God, into the family chaos of those first three chapters, into the moral collapse of the nation of Israel in the next few chapters. But the book finishes... Not with coming darkness, but with hope. That no matter what happens in life, God is in business. God doesn't change. His faithfulness is sufficient. His love will sustain you through all of the events that you're going to experience. Hesed, if you've got different translations, unfailing love, loving kindness, mercy... Steadfast love, loyal love, all these are in different translations. Covenant faithfulness. 
It's a God who commits himself faithfully to a nation and then says, would you reciprocate? Would you give me hesed? I want to give you hesed, but can you give it back to me? It's an amazing story of what the Lord truly requires. One great uh, Old Testament scholar said, unlike humans, this deity was not fickle, undependable, self-serving, grasping. Instead, he was, what? Faithful, (coughs) true, upright, generous always. And so Hosea says, I want you quickly to, to remember three things. Say it with me. Love can't let you go. I want you to marry this girl and I don't want you to let her go. She's going to run away. She's going to pick up with other guys. You're going to actually find her in a slave market and I want you to buy her back. And I want you to live with her. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, If that man was living in the New Testament, his name would be Jesus. So you get a sense that this story is much bigger, much, much bigger than Hosea. Go take for yourself a wife inclined to infidelity and children of infidelity. Some of these kids may not be yours. For the land commits fragrant infidelity, abandoning the Lord. So he went and he took this most beautiful, complete girl. And his first child, his son, was called Ripped or Scattered. His daughter was named Unloved. And the third boy, not sure, not mine. I wonder what family life, your family of origin, your present family circumstances are like. In Australia Talks, they asked Australians, what do you think about family and marriage? 29% said that marriage is an outdated institution. When they asked women aged 18 to 39, what do you think of family and marriage? 43%, nearly one in two said it's done, it's finished. We live in really interesting times. Callum Brown in his book, The Death of Christian Britain, said this book is about the demise of the nation's core religious moral identity. As historical changes go, this has been no lingering, drawn-out affair. It took several centuries in what historians call the Dark Ages to convert Britain to Christianity. But it has taken less than 40 years for the country to forsake it. Do you know that we're living in the age of neo-paganism? The new pagan era is here right now. The dark ages have returned right now. In Britain, there are 30,000 registered clergy, 80,000 registered witches. This world is plunging into darkness. It was in the middle of the 20th century that one of the leading historians, Carl Zimmerman, a distinguished sociologist from Harvard, documented the close causal connection between the rise and fall of different types of families and the rise and fall of civilizations. He looked at Europe. He looked at modern 
America. She went back through the empires of Greece and Rome and medieval and modern societies. And he documented in 1947 the trends that he saw. This book was reissued in 2008 because these trends, these theses, these insights that he had on the direction of society are just as relevant. So is that the end of the story? Thankfully not. Therefore, behold, I'm going to persuade her to bring her into the wilderness. And what am I going to say to her? I'm going to speak kindly to her. And then I will give her back her vineyards from there. And the valley of trouble as a door of hope. And then you'll no longer call me, then you will call me my husband and no longer my master. God can change marriages. God can change circumstances. His kindness can speak into the most disastrous of situations. And then I'll marry you for good forever. I'll marry you with a true, in true and proper, in hesed, in love, in tenderness. Yes, I'll marry you and neither leave you nor let you go. I can't let you go. You'll know me, God, for whom I really am. It's an unusual story that these children who had names of disaster are now going to be reinterpreted. Jezreel, which means to rip, can also mean to plant. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show her my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And then you will say back to me, what? You are my God. You'll understand the Hesed experiment. Go show love to your wife again, though she's loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. If you add that up, it's 30 pieces of silver. Let me ask you, is there another Hosea who for 30 pieces of silver would exchange your freedom with his life? You see, it is such a beautiful story of this Jesus who is in our midst right now, who is saying, we all have a past and no matter how bad your past is, you can get past your past and God can give you a new beginning he can use you greatly and give you a future. This Jesus is present this morning. He wants to tell you about his Father who can make such a difference. This love can't let you go. Bob Weber was sitting on the veranda with a farmer after having preached. And just then the newsboy comes up, throws the paper over the fence, but notices a sign, puppies for sale. And he yells out, how much are the puppies the guy said, 25 bucks. And the young boy's head dropped, but he said, can I at least see them? So the guy whistles, and around the corner comes the mum and four pups, and then a fifth pup dragging its back leg. The little boy said, well, how much is that one? The guy said, you don't want that one. We've taken it to the vet. It has no hip. No hip joint. You wouldn't want it. It'll be a cripple forever. 
But he said, I want to buy it. I'll put it down 50 cents every week until I can have that puppy. Guy said, why would you want a cripple? And he pulled up the leg of his jeans and there was iron and leather. He said, this puppy will need someone who understands him. You see, we have a story of a God who understands us. Of a Jesus who came down and bought us out of slavery and says, I understand. Love can't let you go. Love can't let you off. Recently, my wife and I went to the Masters exhibition at Goma. The history of the world in 65 paintings from the New York Met. And uh, you could start with the very first painting that tells the story of art and history. A picture of a golden Christ on a cross. And as you walk through each of the decades and centuries, you end up with Monet's lily pond. You go from reflecting on Christ to self-reflection. From Christocentric view of the world to an egocentric. And somehow, Hosea, I want you to know that the whole nation is going down the toilet. This culture is crumbling all around you. Do you know that you and I are in the midst of a cultural war? Cultural war is primarily a war over who influences the definition of reality. Do you know that the definition of reality is being challenged at every level? Last century, Francis Schaeffer said, if there are no absolutes by which to judge society, then society is absolute. Society and government will tell you who you are, your identity, your gender, marriage. It will tell you about euthanasia and abortion. It will tell you what is true and what is not true. Society is absolute. You and I are in a whole new realm of paganism. But Hesed Love says that God is strong and steadfast and generous in his mercy. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring about against you who live in the land. There is what? No faithfulness, no truth, no Hesed, no knowledge of God in the land. A lady was interviewed on Oprah Winfrey about, as a Christian, her continuing affairs with men, married men. And when someone challenged her about the incongruity of what she was promoting on Oprah Winfrey, she said, I want you to wait a minute. I'm a Christian and I want everybody to know that my personal life and my religion don't interfere with one another. I believe in a God who wants to make me happy. And if this man makes me happy, then God approves of the relationship. Let me ask you, how far have we fallen? What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your hesed is like the morning mist, like the early dew. It disappears, for I desire mercy, hesed not sacrifice. Jesus will use these words twice in his ministry. Jesus read this book. I desire mercy and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I want you to sow righteousness for yourselves 
reap the fruit of unfailing hesed. Break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. But you must return to the Lord your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. It was a number of years ago that a university project was to go into the slums of Baltimore and interview 200 poor boys from the slums. And the uni students came back, wrote up their reports, and then gave a conclusion. He hasn't got a chance. That study was put away. 25 years later, another professor found it. He said, I want to go back and find those boys. 20 they couldn't trace, 180 they could. They did a follow-up study. They sent the uni students to interview them. They found that 176 of the 180 they could find were leading doctors, lawyers, and businessmen. And they asked them, what was, the, what was the difference for all of you? They all mentioned one teacher. One teacher. The professor found that she was still alive and went and interviewed her. You know what she said? She said it was really very simple. Really very simple. I simply love those boys. You see, love and faithfulness can change the destiny of a nature. I don't know where God stuck you, whether in education or industry or government, but you know what? You can make a difference in the life of one person, and that one person can make such a difference. Love can't let you go. Love can't let you off. And lastly, love can't let you down. It's a crazy love that God offers. Francis Chan in his book, Crazy Love, said, God is love, crazy, relentless, all-powerful. This God of the universe loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. Yet the Israelites, God says, will be like the sand of the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. They will be called children of the living God and afterwards the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord to the blessings of the last days. Hosea looked down the corridor of thousands of years and said, God's not done. You Israelites, you're going to be scattered through the nations for thousands of years, but you're not done. You're going to come trembling back to Israel. You're going to look for Messiah, for David the king, and Messiah will come. And you will mourn over your missed opportunities. Dr. Adrian Rogers says, Israel is God's yardstick, his blueprint for the world. And as Israel goes, so goes the world. You and I have been loved a lifetime. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. I was, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and bent down to feed them. Now as a grandparent... 
I've had the joy of watching my two grandchildren learn to walk. Little Emma took her first steps last week. And now she's off and running. I've had the joy of shoveling food into my two and three-year-olds as they sometimes share it back with me. <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it for anything. God says, I've been with you a lifetime. I've been there at your birth. Guardian angels have been present. Ministering spirits have been seeking to lead you to salvation, to bring you home. Do you know the presence of angels in your life? God is just there. And, and the book finishes with these words. Find the right words that God wants to hear. God has words for every one of us. Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him three things. Forgive all our sins. God, we've failed, but failure is not final. Forgiveness is always the final solution. Forgive all our sins, receive us graciously, and then we're going to offer back to you the fruit of our lips. Pardon, presence, and praise. And you will flourish in the face of death. I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I'll redeem them from death. Where, O oh death, are your plagues? Where, O oh grave, is your destruction? I was watching Ando as he interviewed and painted uh, Dr. Harry Cooper, who talked about the death of his 30-year-old daughter from cancer. He said this, no one should have to bury their children. And Arne responded, do you think you'll see her again? Do you think you'll see her again? And Cooper said, no one has come back from the grave. And it was at that point that I wanted to stand up and said, that is the point. Someone has come back from the grave. Where, O oh grave, is your victory? This Jesus has brought us hope that no matter what happens in the chaos of our families, in the moral crumbling of our nation, in the circumstances that you may yet have to face, God will be sufficient. Hesed is always an invitation, the last verse. Who is wise? Let him realise these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand that the ways of the Lord are right and righteous people walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. There is an invitation into the faithfulness of God. Are you up for the Hesed experiment? If God was to ask you to go through it? Some of you are going through it. You're going through a private pain. But God is sufficient. Love is enough. This faithful God is saying, will you come into my faithfulness and learn to be faithful? Judd White says, I conclude, uh, he's one of our pastors in Las Vegas, Sin City, in the darkest place on the planet. He wrote a book on Hosea called Pursued, God's Divine Obsession with You. He tells the story of a girl in his congregation, Annie, just a typical girl from the Midwest, attractive, bright. But as she got into her teenage years, her life began to fall apart because they didn't understand 
that at eight years of age she'd been sexually interfered with. Her life spiralled, dancing as an exotic dancer in a way recruited by a pimp to Las Vegas. And there with mink coats for a decade in the sex industry, her life was a total mess. As she came to the end of a lonely encounter on a luxury marble floor, she doused herself with cocaine, she snorted, she washed the Xanax down with alcohol, and as she drifted into a coma, she started to think about her life and said, Why, where are you, God? I'm so mad at you. Why me? Why has all this happened? And just as she drifted towards her death, she uttered a prayer. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And if you are a real God, please give me a second chance. She woke up on the floor of that luxury unit. She knew that Jesus had saved her life. She knew where to go and she went back to church. She gave her life back to God. She surrounded herself with a community of hope. She founded a ministry called Hookers for Jesus based on the words of Jesus that I want you to be what? Fishers of men. And she's hooking men and women out of the sex industry in Las Vegas, freed with a genuine encounter with a faithful, loving God. That God is here this morning. This God is present. No matter where you've been or what you've done, God's love is bigger and better. Can you remember a definition of faithfulness? Will you say it with me? Love can't let you go. Love can't let you off. And love can't let you down. Would you bow with me in prayer? David the psalmist writes one thing I've spoken to things I've heard power belongs to you God and with you is hesed unfailing love Father this morning there are only two things we need to understand is that you have the power to change our circumstances and that your love is sufficient. It's enough. Father, would you come by the Spirit of God and would you touch every heart that needs to hear that word? Would you minister your faithfulness, not only right now, but for the next hundred years? Because that's our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jeff, reminding us of our wonderful, wonderful God. He said, God, God who, well, people let us down, may let us down, but God will never. Let us down. Ephesians 3.20 
and this was just before we moved into this building that uh, we went to the front of the old chapel that we were in and we wrote on that wall, Ephesians 3.20, I believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We were then invited to sign our names in agreement with that statement of belief and in faith believe this for the future. And God has done and he continues to do immeasurably more than the people of this church have asked or can imagine over the last hundred years and he will continue to do far greater, immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine if you make him the centre, the very centre of your life. As David Simpson wrote on that wall, not my will, but thine be done. As God works in us, as God works through us, as we follow him, then he continues to build his church for his glory. He said he will build his church. As co-workers, we are co-workers with Christ, co-workers in God's service. You and I are God's field. You and I are God's building. All praise to our good and gracious God. So we're going to stand and sing closing song. I trust you can agree with these, these words that God has always been and will always be good. Good to you. Good for you. So let's stand and sing. Yeah.
like to come up here. You probably don't, but this is an opportunity because this will never happen again. Um, while the past pastors and present pastors are coming up here for a photo, um, just a reminder, centenary books, booklets are available out in the foyer. Um, there is an offering container, offering tin as you leave, just on the, the left. I'm not sure where these people are all going to stand. Um, we've got we've got Faye, we've got Nick. Um, <laughs> Okay, so what's happening over here? Kate, you're present. Kelvin, you're present. Okay. Um, how about that? Half these blokes, half these people have never met each other. Sorry, Kate. Okay. Um, maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But um, 
for uh, being a part of that and, and coming today. Um, now, if, if anybody would like to respond in terms of Jeff's message and make a commitment to the Lord, then there's all these pastors. You can chat to any one of them. <laughs> and please do that. Please chat with, uh, with those who have, have come to share today. Can we close in prayer and uh, we'll share grace together and then the rest of the time is yours. Let's pray. Once again, our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. As we've experienced you through our lives, you have never, ever let us down. And you being a faithful God, you being the same today, yesterday and forever, then, Father, we, we know that we remain in your goodness. We thank you that you said that you would build your church. And we thank you as we have spent this time together this morning that we have been able to worship you and appreciate you for who you are, for what you've done for us. Father, we too thank you for the food that we're about to share in. We pray that you would bless not only that food to us, but bless our conversations. Help us, Father, to keep you at the centre of our thoughts and our praise and that we will leave here today just having experienced you in a fresh way and having had an opportunity to, to bless one another. And so we thank you as we commit the rest of this time to you now. Thank you. Praise your name. In Jesus' name we, we do pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a great time. <laughs>